We are now in Advent, and all I can think of is how Advent is a time of hope. That's what the Jewish people in the Old Testament needed. All of the readings from Isaiah are about hope. In the same way, early Christians, which were persecuted, also needed hope. That's when the Gospels and all the epistles were written, and so they carry a message of hope. And isn't hope what we need right now? This year has been one of doubt, despair, and fear. How do we respond to that? With their opposites, faith, hope, and love. How much of what you do is motivated by doubt, despair, or fear? How about we make a point this Advent to make sure that everything we say or do is motivated by faith, hope, and love? In the second reading for the second Sunday of Advent, we hear the prophet Isaiah telling us to comfort, comfort my people. So many people today need comfort. We are called to comfort them like God, the shepherd who feeds his flock and carries them in his arms. Do we comfort by encouraging doubt, despair, and fear? No, we comfort by offering hope. This year, let's light a candle of hope for someone. Give hope to people. Bring the light of Christ to this world that is so often in darkness. Bring the light and hope of Jesus Christ to all those you meet. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. How are you, Pedro? I am very good, Billy. Thank you. Can you believe it's already Advent? Yeah, and December. And you know, December. Advent and December. And, yes. and, and first snow. <laughs> well, f- not first snow. Oh, not really. In, yeah. First snow in December. We had snow at the end of October. Um, yeah. But yes, and where I live, it's very beautiful. The snow is all perfect. Yes. Um, it's still very nice and white, and it's a beautiful sunny day. Um, I was going to mention Billy because I know that you were part of this uh, of creating this this initiative on our on our website um, to light a candle of hope this Advent that I think is such a great initiative. So many people are, have had such a rough year. Um, there's a lot of despair in the world, a lot of doubt, a lot of fear, and oh, and it's so nice me. to be able to send someone a candle of hope. So I, I, am I getting it right, Billy? Because yes, you, you designed it, right? Um, and, you know, our whole team designed it. I'm not going to take, uh, you know, <laughs> everything here. Right. But, uh, you know, you, when you go to our donation page, once you donate, then uh, there is a, a form. I'm very excited on that form. Okay. And you can actually send an e-card to someone that you like. This is the first first thing that we give you. Second thing is you can name somebody and we are going to put a name. Uh-huh. into a video okay, that we yes. are going to make at the end of Advent. So, uh, uh, and you will show it on, on our, our channel as well. So two things you can do on the website, go uh, to the donation page and you will see it. Yeah. And I think, and I mean, of course, the, the donation is one thing, but the idea of sending someone a little card that's that with a candle that says, I, I lit a candle for you. And of course we can't, we, you can light a real candle, but this is a, a, an extra special gesture that I, if I received one, Billy, hint, hint, Billy, if you want to send me one, <laughs> send me one, I would be very happy. Um, so encouraging our listeners, if you go to slmedia.org, 
our website, you'll see there on the main page how to light a candle of hope, and and you can you can fill out for us, you know, make whatever donation you want, and and send a, send a candle of hope to whoever you want. You can send as many as you want to all the people that you feel need need a little uplifting, a little light, and a little hope this Advent season. Yeah, technology basically help us to um, uh, reach out more people in this pandemic um, uh, period, right? So a yes. lot of people uh, were alone at home, and yeah. they 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 want something, and they they're hungered for for touching people, right? I mean, exactly. touch, get touch, yeah. Exactly, and yeah, not everybody is mailing real Christmas cards or anything like that. So you can send a little candle, and and I think that that's one of the reasons why I think I like our job, Billy. That we get it, we get a chance to spend some time with our our listeners. I mean, we yes. might not know who they are, but but we're, we're happy that we can enter into your home or enter into your car, and, yes. and spend some time with you, and hopefully that we're giving people a little bit of hope and a little bit of. Uh, um, a little bit of light in, in so in this. so you know contact us you know tell us how wonderful I am Billy Chan you know <laughs> <laughs> yes write to Billy send him a candle of hope tell him uh, how wonderful he is you can find him on uh, Twitter uh, Bjo Chan um, Billy today we have Danny Torquia is going to be back with us ah. again with his new series Rearing Rebels his series on on media ministry um, he. Uh, He's going to be talking about shock advertising. Do you know what that is? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. So you should stick around and listen to Danny's segment. So shock advertising. I guess it's it's doing something to impress people with something that's really hard to forget, so that you're uh, to advertise. Oh, so shock advertising. Um, so you can uh, stick around. That's going to be. Uh, in about five minutes, right after our song. That's Danny Torquia. And then, uh, Billy, you have a question. Church for Dummies. Yes, I cannot believe that we did not cover this topic uh-huh. uh, in Church for Dummies for, what, four or five years already? Yeah. Uh, you know, the topic is about Advent. That, you know, yeah. guys, now finally we are talking about Advent. Yeah, that's so. funny. I know we've never spoken about Advent in Church for Dummies. So today, today in about yes. 10, <laughs> 10, 12 minutes, we're going to be speaking about Advent. So uh, stick around for that. And then, uh, Billy, you remember uh, the document that the Pope wrote, Christus Vivit, uh, Christ yeah. is Alive. He wrote it after the um, after the, the Synod on Young People. Mm-hmm. Uh, reminding us that that the church needs to make sure that there's place for young people. So in our second half hour, um, I'm really excited because we're going to be uh, traveling, quote unquote, to Ireland. We're going to wow. be speaking with uh, my friend Gerard Gallagher from the Archdiocese of Dublin, Ireland. Um, I met Gerard. I mean, I met him so many times over the years that usually at World Youth Day, we get to see each other. Um, he has lots of experience working in, in youth and young adult ministry, and he put together a little book. It's called oh. Exploring, Exploring Christus Vivit, um, Making Room for the Young Church. And what he did is he actually contacted a lot of the people that we know around the world that do youth and young adult ministry, and everybody wrote in reflections based on Christus Vivit. Um, so we're going to be speaking to Gerard Gallagher about that. And Gerard also wrote, has just published a book on Advent Reflections. So wow. uh, I thought I'd ask him, ask him about his Advent Reflections as well. So that'll be in about 25 minutes. And then Billy, we get to meet a new artist. Another, new artist. another young Catholic artist. Um, and, the, and, and his name is Thomas Mulia. And um, it's funny because his father, Chris Mulia, 
was also a guest on the show a few years ago. So oh. singer-songwriter Chris Muglia, now his son, Thomas, is following in his father's footsteps. And so we're well, now get... is he in inheritance, a family? The yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But but uh, Thomas, is, is his music is really, really good. Uh, so yes. we're going to get a chance to talk to him and meet him and listen to his music. He just released, well, not just, but he released his first album a year ago. Okay. Um, so I'm really excited to, to be able to introduce all of our listeners to Thomas Muglia. So that's at the end of the program. And again, if people are not able to listen to the whole show or if they want to listen to it again, remember that you can just go and find our podcasts at slmedia.org, slmedia.org, our website. And you can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour wherever you get your podcasts. So Billy, let's start with a song. Song. Because that's music. your favorite part of the show is the songs, right? Um, I love music. Here, you're going to like uh, Thomas's music, Thomas Mulia's music. Here's Thomas Mulia with Yours to Take from his album, The Return. God of everything, speak into my life. Breathe your spirit deep into my soul. You are calling me. Venture to the deep Align my heart according to your will Send me out, O oh Lord, to do your work Jesus, teach me to walk in your ways Help me to
That was Thomas Mulia with Yours to Take from his album The Return, and we're going to be speaking with Thomas Mulia in our second half hour. Now it's time for Rearing Rebels with Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome back. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. Nice to be back. So, um, shock advertising. What is shock advertising? Well, that's the theme of our second episode, uh, and it's basically what we see a lot of in the traditional popular cultural advertising and media. It's, it's an ad that, especially with visuals, is meant to shock, is meant to startle, is meant to leave on the mind of the viewer, um, you know, something that they will find hard to forget. And sometimes it can be very unsettling, but sometimes it can be just crass, like naked bodies on a beach or people kissing or doing something extravagant that will shock you at whatever age you're at. Right. Uh, just to, to break through the clutter and the noise of the marketplace. Right, right. And I, and, I, and I would think that that's one of the reasons why advertisers will use sexuality. Um, yeah, it really comes down to the, the core, uh, you know, human carnal uh, pleasures or, you know, quick, acute moments of uh, this fake happiness. Yeah, but, but, but and I don't want to, I actually don't think, Maybe you can you can f- correct me here. I don't think that's a bad thing. The job of the advertiser is to grab people's attention. So if it makes sense, I think if they do it and it doesn't make sense, it's not good advertising. But if it makes sense, then my sure grab my attention and give me something that's going to grab my attention. Right. And my the whole purpose of speaking about it is because rather than shun the strategy, uh-huh. uh, we have to we have to open our eyes and realize that when you look at our faith with questions of death, sacrifice, lamb, mm. slaughter, gift of life. Um, and also, um, you know, the, the reality is of, of the martyrs, the stories of real persecution and giving one's life for, uh, f- for the faith of an eternal, spiritual, and fully transfigured um, humanity um, or creation right. and angels, all of our faith topics, why, why, why we've brought this into our family, my wife and I, is because we've said, you know what, why not talk to our kids about these very shocking faith-based topics when they're five years old, when they're seven years old? I mean, you know, parents at a very young age with their kids think about how am I going to talk to them about the birds and the bees, about sexuality? Well, we've decided to embrace all those kind of stranger aspects of our faith. And guess what? They're core to the transmission of our faith. So it's worked for us in our family. And I encourage people to embrace those shocking aspects of our faith and not shun them. Okay. So, so, so give me an example. So you, you mentioned martyr martyrs, let's say, so you make a point specifically of, of talking to them about, you know, I don't know, St. Stephen was stoned to death and that might be shocking for a five-year-old. Um, but then yeah. you, you, so you, so you use that to impress upon them so that they're going to remember that. And then you turn it into a teaching moment. Yeah. I mean, the, the, we, and in our family, we're so happy to have talked about the Coptic martyrs, that, 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 that uh, yeah. awful scene of the, 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 the men who were beheaded on by the beach, ISIS on the yeah, beach. in Libya. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, we decided to speak to our kids about that because we chose how, and then we, we brought a beautiful icon um, that, into our home of that of that moment uh-huh. of that martyrdom, but 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 Saint Stephen and all that. Of course, our kids know about that, and I think it's this has been very good for our kids because we we wrap up the story with God's love, with God's love for humanity, God's gift, and also the fact that 
we care about this life. We don't want anyone to take, you know, play God and take life away. Yeah. Uh, you know, but we, but we believe firmly in uh, the new Jerusalem and in a, in a new creation and a transfigured, glorified body for you, Deacon Pedro, for me, like our, our Lord on, you know, the transfiguration. And so we get to talk about that through contemporary stories. Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. I guess the crucifixion is shocking enough. <laughs> I mean, it right is, there. Is. Well, so I mean, is the Eucharist, uh, you know, and, and one other thing is, you know, I was thinking that, I mean, you know, when we're all talking about a vaccine, vaccines for, you know, I'm not a yeah. doctor or medical, but, but vaccines basically introduce in your body um, a little bit of the illness mm -hmm. right, to, to defend yourself. So, you know, the world will throw at them shock advertising. We know about the violence in our world. I think it's important to talk about the true um, difficult aspects of our faith because none of them is easy. Mm -hmm. um, but then it, it get, lets them develop that, um, that the antibodies or the ability to understand violence, understand gift, understand martyrdom, very adult topics, but they start simmering it around in their minds. And I, I can reassure the listeners, if they're scared, if they're, if they're perplexed, um, so far we've had success where our kids will ask us questions and we make sure they go to bed with, with the stuffies and crosses and rosaries and to be able right. to fight this spiritual fight. Right. Of course. And you mentioned, I mean, some of the stories, I, I think we get it, you know, the, you know, martyrdom or, or the lives of some of the saints or the mass or, or the crucifixion, even the, the Christmas story, the incarnation story. Um, what are some tips that you would suggest if parents are want to do this, but they're not quite sure how to do it? What, what, what advice would you give them? I, first of all, I would say pray. Uh, for, mm. There's no, you know, the, the value of prayer is amazing uh, before you would do so. Uh, but I think just open our, let's open our eyes at what's around us. I mean, there, unfortunately, there are stories of persecution and religious um, mm. you know, intolerance of, for any faith. Um, I think we have to just raise our kids to be warriors of love, but in a world that is, that has its fair share of darkness and, and you, they'll, just make it age appropriate in the sense that they don't need the gory details. I mean, if we're going to show a beheading or if we're going to talk about martyrdom, you show a picture uh, that that is the limit of what they can handle for that age. Right. Right. You know? So it's it, for, for us, we bought an icon that is very, uh, you know, an icon is limited in, in detail. Yeah. I um, love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. But enough for them to see. Um, and, and they'll figure it out. I mean, you know, the children, they see a lot on their own through mm -hmm. their social peers mm -hmm. and their mm -hmm. networks that I think is important for parents to um, dab and probe, prod at them early on. Preempt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good advice. Thank you. So how to use shock advertising to uh, teach the faith to your children. I love it. Um, okay, Danny, and you're going to, you're going to post some of this information on your own blog at dialogueandgrace.com. Um, so if people want to find out more or learn a little bit more or see that photo of that icon, we yeah, it's a beautiful post, one. We can also post it on our on our site at, at slmedia.org. Um, Danny, thank you very much. Shock therapy. Um, thank you so much. Good Pedro. parenting advice. Danny Torquia, our uh, public relations expert and the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia, and you can read his blog at dialogueandgrace.com. Hi, I'm Francesca LaRosa, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can send me an email, pedro at slmedia.org to let me know what you think of the show and uh, to, I don't know, give me some hope. Now it's time for 
Just for dummies. With Billy Chan, who's trying not to laugh. I'm here to give people hope. I try to give. We're we're here to give people hope. Um. So you have a question. Yes, the question is this. Um, actually, it's a question from somebody asked me, and I cannot. I do not know how to answer. Can you believe that? I I cannot believe that. So, the question is this. So, uh, Advent. So why there is Advent? You never see the word Advent in the Bible, uh, uh, and uh, uh, and why do we celebrate Advent? We 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 say we you know it's actually we know that we prepare for the coming of Christ, but why do we have it? Where does okay. it come from? Why yeah, four okay. weeks? Okay, that's why? A, okay, why? Okay, that's a lot of questions. Okay, so so the first question is, um, the word Advent, Adveniat means coming the coming mm-hmm. so so you you can't say that it's not in the bible it is in the bible we talk about the, oh, coming, okay. of, the coming of christ all all the time so adveniat and in fact uh the word parousia which is usually translated as presence also kind of means coming it's like arriving or 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 being close in that oh, sense okay. so he's coming so he's close he's almost present presence it's the same word so adveniat for people who know the lord's prayer in latin Pater noster quies in celis, adveniat renium tours, your kingdom come, adveniat. So that's the same word. Oh, yeah, advent. right. Yeah, advent. yeah, your kingdom come. Okay, so that, that's the same word. Okay, so that's, that's advent. advent. Okay. So from the beginning of the church, I think it's fair to say that people have been preparing for the to celebrate the birth of Christ. And we prepare for the coming of Christ, not just at, at, at like the, the physical coming of Christ, like he was born uh, from Mary. So we celebrate his birthday, but we also uh, are expecting him to return the second coming um, and, and to come as he comes every time we celebrate mass at the Eucharist. Um, so it used to be, and it's funny that you ask about the four weeks because that I had heard that it wasn't always four weeks that maybe in the early church, like in the fourth century, fifth century, um, they sometimes prepared for six weeks in the wow. same way, yeah. In the same way that we have six weeks before Easter for Lent. Um, so Advent was, uh, and I've heard this that Advent was called the Little Lent because it was, ah, okay. it was, it was the same idea. You you have a period of time where there's there's penance, so it's a penitential time where we're preparing for the coming of Christ. Um, but it wasn't. I think it was Pope uh, Gregory the Great in like the 10th century that made it official that it was only four weeks before Christmas or the far four Sundays before Christmas. Cause it's not four full weeks. So starting with the Sunday that it's closest to the feast of St. Andrew, which is December 1st, um, those four weeks of preparation for the coming. Why of four weeks? Do you know the why? N- no, I don't know, but I did find something out that I think is interesting. So mm-hmm. that, that the early church believed that, the four weeks represented the four that we're preparing for the four ways into Christ in, in that Christ comes into our lives. So oh, that there are okay. four comings of Christ. Um, I also heard, and I'll, t- I'll go back to that in a second. I also heard that um, the four weeks mirror the four thousand years that the Jewish people prepared for the coming of the Messiah. So if you follow the old Testament, it's about 4,000 years yeah. of the Jewish of Jewish history until the birth of the Messiah. So those four weeks kind of mirror those 4,000 oh, years. Okay. But I heard, so to go back to the four ways that Jesus comes, 
So Christ comes to a historically, as in he was born of the Virgin Mary. He comes to us um, when we die, when we first meet him at our death. He comes to us with the final judgment and he comes to us in our hearts. So those are the four ways. And, and there are there are traditions that will ascribe a particular week of Advent to each of those. So the first Sunday of Advent, we prepare for the final judgment. The second Sunday of Advent, we prepare for for the for when for meeting Christ when we die. Yeah. Third Sunday, meeting Him uh, in our hearts as He comes into our hearts, and the fourth Sunday as we prepare for Him to be born historically. I see. I see. So, um, how about the Advent calendar? So, uh, is it? Just a commercial thing, or is it a tradition that we always count down? I don't know, Billy. I'm gonna to have to find that out for next week. Okay. Um, I, I, I think that there is a there is a tradition of counting the days from December mm-hmm. 1st to the 24th, and there's also the tradition from the 17th of December to do the O antiphons as mm, we yeah. prepare for those last seven days before Christmas. So maybe we can talk about those things next week. Yeah, let's talk about that. Thank you, Pedro. All right, Billy, preparing for Christmas here d- during Advent. <laughs> um, uh, Billy Chan, our webmaster at slmedia.org. You can follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, exploring Christus Vivit, and we meet Thomas Mulia, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Following the Synod of Bishops on Young People and Vocational Discernment, Pope Francis published the Apostolic Exhortation Christus Vivit, In it, the Pope reminds us of the youthfulness of the Church and emphasizes the importance of making room for the young Church. Someone very familiar with Christus Vivit is Gerard Gallagher. He's a pastoral coordinator in the Archdiocese of Dublin, Ireland. Gerard invited several people who work in youth and young adult ministry to explore several key aspects of the exhortation. The result is a practical guide that offers not only reflections, but opportunities for deeper exploration. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Gerard Gallagher from his home in Dublin, Ireland. Gerard, good to, good to have you. you on the program. Absolutely delighted to be here. Thank you. So um, what would you say is unique about Christus Vivit? The uniqueness is since the Second Vatican Council, there has never been just one pastoral letter dedicated to young people. Mm. And I think that's the uniqueness of this document. Um, it's a culmination of a lot of documents and thinking around the pastoral life in the church of lay people. But there's never been a particular uh, exhortation or pastoral document just directed for young people. But the uniqueness of this one is that young people were listened to in advance yes. during and at the Synod. So their I- voices are in the I was going to ask you about that. I mean, we, I don't think we can, we can quite say that it's written by young people, but I know young people, at least with the pre-synod and the pre-synod document, it was written by young people. So I know that the, when you say that, that young people were listened to, um, you, you really mean that. Why do we need a companion guide? 
Um, it's interesting, in Ireland, there's a tradition that whenever some of these documents come out from, as we say, in Rome, so you've had Gaudium et Spes, you've had the Joy of the Gospel, you've had Morris Titsia, we always have some kind of commentary book to, oh. to help people understand what's going in it. Um, and the idea came to me um, just shortly after we were in Panama at the World Youth Day, because this document came out two months later. Right. And myself and others, like we, we work hard together, you know, we understand the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But I actually was struck at the silence of how the reception was to Christus Vivid internationally. Really? And also here in Ireland. Um, unlike other documents. So some of the other documents would have, you know, say... Um, Laudata Si would have a huge following online and, you know, people supporting it and trying to put it into practice. I felt that the youth ministers and the leaders of young people find it hard to get traction within the, the official church to uh-huh. some of their ideas on the ground. That was the idea behind the book. Right. Yeah. Um, and you, of course, gathered a lot of people that, you know, good yeah. friends of good yeah. friends of ours, yeah. a, a lot of them yeah. Um, yeah. that have that have lots of experience working mm-hmm. with young people from around the world. Um, so can you give us some examples of some of the topics that are covered and maybe some of the people that contributed to the to the book? Well, we, we took kind of a, a series of the themes. Each of the chapters we followed from Christian Vivid. Um, and and okay. for example, I tried to have 50% of them Irish contributors and the other 50 from overseas. Right. Also a gender balance as well. So uh-huh. like we have the three bishops who attended the Synod from Ireland, they're in it. Um, mm-hmm. But we have Teresa Cavallio from England, you know, and she's reflecting on, she, she takes the first chapter, which is on, you know, what does the word of God say to young people? And she creates a whole dinner party around that experience. Right. Um, a, a colleague of mine who's a Jacobit uh, teacher, uh, he, he brought chapter four into the school, uh, into the classroom, and he got the kids to read it in school. And he says, what do you make of that? And some of the questions that they come back with were very illuminating. And to me, that's been a surprise chapter that people have all resonated with. Yeah. Uh, Paul Jarzabuski from, you know, from Washington, from Paul reflects on the imagination um i have a, a good colleague of mine martin bennett reflecting on vocation um, right. and discernment in those kind of core t- themes that pope francis has brought to everything right um, and then we got to march and then the book was paused for publishing because of this thing called the pandemic um, <laughs> you might have heard about it in canada you know? <laughs> um, yeah. so the, so the publication was paused and what actually happened then was probably providential because one of our other colleagues, Michelle Remery, I approached him and he, he's famous for tweeting with God, that whole project yep. mm-hmm. online. Yes. So he, he, he did a whole reflection on, from online masses to online communities because globally we all shifted to the online church. Right. Um, but he provides some good theological reflection around uh-huh. how we blend the two and how we get them to coexist in the future. Right. So is the idea that this book can be used as a as a study guide almost for, for people that want to explore the exhortation Absolutely. better? Absolutely, because at the end of each chapter, Pedro, we have, I've offered each of the contributors to propose questions, okay. either for yourself to self-reflect or for groups to study right. together. Yeah. But also just recently, uh, we were in a major lockdown here in Ireland. And what we did is we did a Christus Vivid book club. Oh, um, nice. Four sessions. And what we did was we, we had contributors on picking up some of the themes. So we did conversational. So you didn't have to read the exhortation or read my book, but you could kind of pick up on some of the, the, the emerging themes, you know, themes around scripture and young people, script, uh, themes around why young people aren't following our way of life to, to, to vocation and to serve. So we had some really good conversation okay. on that um, and, and that worked and that could be uh-huh. a method of bringing it to these people who haven't read it. 
Right. That's a good idea, especially now when when so many uh, of these uh, activities have moved online. Maybe a good suggestion. Um, Gerard, I, I don't want to leave without uh, talking to you about your your latest book. And I love the title News Too Good to Keep. It's a it's a collection of Advent reflections. Um, maybe as we close off the interview, uh, you could share with us a little Advent reflection that we can take on our on our journey uh, Absolutely. I'll just give you a little bit of the background. I am not a spiritual writer. I'm well known for working with young people or writing about more academic matters. But yeah, um, a colleague of mine says, would you do a prayer book for for Lent? OK, <laughs> so this is how this all started. So I got into this rhythm every day of doing a reflection on Lent. And so it was a piece of re reflection on, on a piece of scripture and then also an action, because I'm a believer that you have to put it into action as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The book became a little bit of a bestseller for people in that world, especially younger people. Good. So then whilst we were in lockdown during the summer, they asked me what I do one for Advent. Nice. So again, I used my lockdown to, I was in Advent already this year. This is my second <laughs> Advent. Um, yeah. but, but, but the title News to Good to Keep, um, I, th I think it just sums up what Advent is around. It's around mm -hmm. the proclamation of this message of good news that we're not supposed to keep. Um, we have to give it away somehow. So yeah. the idea is for people to prepare for Christmas, but prepare an Advent. A little bit of scripture, a little bit of a reflection, but also an action that we put it into kind of practice somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think this is going out on Saturday. Um, so I'll yes. give you a reflection from one of the Saturdays. Um, it, it might just take about a minute if you have a minute. Okay, sure. So, yes. So, so it's, it's based on a piece of scripture from Matthew's gospel. So it's on the, the have mercy on a son of David where, where Jesus meets the two blind men. Mm -hmm. And so that's the piece of scripture from the first Saturday of Advent. And this is the reflection. Everyone at some point in their life asks for a second chance. Some might want the opportunity to do something again differently. And many of us come up short at some point. And sometimes our choices, our bad behavior, our sin in our lives can trap us. And we can all miss the mark of perfection. All we can do is try again. So the readings throughout this first week of Advent have looked backwards and forwards at the same time. In history, the Jewish people, as the history of all the peoples, there were times when they failed God. And the fact that God was revealed in the infant born in Bethlehem is part of God's fuller revelation. And God spoke through the words and the actions of Jesus, and Jesus knew his mission was short. And the psalmist reminds us to be strong and let your heart take courage. And Isaiah said that the eyes of the blind will see again. And it was the blind men who were following Jesus who recognized that following Jesus was different. And many of us can be blind to the work and the deeds of Jesus. Having faith means us to be fully believe and trust in Jesus. Just as Jesus touched the eyes of the blind, he continues to touch the lives of people today. And this can be done for you if you believe Jesus promised that he will return. Jesus is asking you this Advent, do you believe? You can return to Jesus anytime. All you need is faith. Faith healed the blind. Jesus gives everyone a second chance. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Thank you. That's a great uh, reflection, not just for that one day, that Saturday, but I mean, for the whole, uh, the whole season. And Gerard, thank you so much. It's been really good talking to you uh, with you today. I'm sorry that it took us so long to get you in the show. Um. <clears throat> Um, it's just my fault that there's a pandemic. I want to do a road show, international, a road well, trip. Well, we can should. We, can we all work on that? Can we work on that? Can we work yeah. on that? So you can come to Canada and I can go to Ireland. And, Correct. And we can do that. And we definitely will meet in Portugal in uh, three years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gerard Gallagher, thank you very much. Uh, have a blessed Advent journey yourself.
You too. Maranatha, God bless you. Gerard Gallagher is a pastoral coordinator in the Archdiocese of Dublin, Ireland, and has worked in youth and young adult ministry for over 25 years. He is the author of many books, his latest, Exploring Christus Vivit, Making Room for the Young Church, and News Too Good to Keep, are both published by Veritas Books. Here now is Thomas Mulia with Litany of Humility from his album, The Return. From my desire to be loved From my desire to be extolled From my desire to be honored From my desire to be praised from my desire to be preferred to From my desire to be consulted From my desire to be approved Deliver me, Jesus
That was Thomas Mulia with Litany of Humility from his album, The Return. Now, I hate to introduce someone by mentioning that they are related to this person or that other person, but I think that with our featured artists today, it's important to say that his dad, Chris Mulia, was also featured on this program a few years ago. So it's kind of neat to have Thomas Mulia with us today. When Thomas is not writing music or studying music, um, he spends most of his time at the Newman Center at Arizona State University, leading music at mass, worship nights, and other events. Uh, Thomas released his debut album, The Return, in February 2019. And I think it's fair to say from the songs that we've heard that his music is prayerful and heartfelt and, and very well produced. And so I'm very, very happy to welcome Thomas Muglia to the Salt and Light Hour. Thomas, welcome. Welcome. It's good to meet you. Good to be here today. And I guess, I, I mean, are you getting to spend time at the Newman Center or with the, with are things locked down and everything done uh, online? Like how's schooling going? Um, you know, I technically I graduated. Okay. <laughs> That's good. This semester. Technically, okay. Semester, so I, I feel like I got out at the perfect time. Yeah. Um, okay. And I'm still at the Newman Center. Um, and when all of this happened, the, you know, the COVID shutdowns, I kind of became the uh, streaming guy. So that was fun. So honestly, I'm there more than I ever was. Um, and it's, it's good. You know, things are going well. I'm, I'm lucky to be busy right now. Um, good. And I'm still doing music at the Newman Center. And so now that you've graduated, so you, 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 you were studying music, you have a music degree? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And what's your hopes? What do you want to do with that? Well, I went in not, not knowing for sure if I was going to be teaching or not when mm -hmm. I graduated, but I, I wanted those skills um, more than I wanted the skills of a business degree. I started in right. business and ended up switching over to music um, just to get music theory and conducting. And I, I loved choir. I was a big choir nerd in high school. Uh -huh. But, you know, through my time in college, I really started to fall in love with the church and with ministry, uh, campus ministry in particular. And through all of that time, I was doing the music at the Newman Center. And so I'm going to run with that. I'm going to go uh -huh. into ministry. And it's, it's a tough time to, to launch something like that or to, you know, start off on that direction because we can't meet in person. But um, yeah, that's, that's the plan. Right. Okay. Well, t tell me a little bit more about that. Cause I mean, I'm assuming obviously you grew up Catholic in a Catholic home with a dad that was already doing, you know, the Catholic music thing. Um, but you're saying that you kind of found a deeper love for the church now in college. So mm -hmm. what was growing up like, what were you thinking as a teenager playing your, you know, guitar? What were you thinking? Well, I see, I grew up around, um, what I want to do. And so it's really interesting that I, I didn't always want to do it. Uh huh. I, I grew up playing with my dad at a lot of things and, and it was great. It was, it was good. And, um, I was really blessed to have the family I have and the parents I have, and I had a really just stable childhood, but I think, you know, whether you're raised Catholic or not, or Christian, whatever it be, you mm -hmm. still have choose Christ eventually there still comes a day when when you have to make that choice maybe it's not like a um a huge 
life altering moment. But yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, it was when I moved out and saw that, you know, I was kind of in ownership of my decisions. Um, I moved into a community called St. Paul's Outreach. I don't know if you've heard of them. Okay. Um, really, really awesome nationwide uh, community. And there's a lot of chapters at different schools. So I moved into a men's house um, run by St. Paul's Outreach on ASU's campus. Mm-hmm. And so you guys are all Catholic and the mission is you go out and evangelize on campus. And okay. I moved into that um, kind of just out of sheer grace. I don't really know why I chose to do that, <laughs> um, but it was kind of like, hey, I think I might need this to stay. Right. Interesting. All started. Okay, yeah, and that makes sense because that's the kind of experience that would sort of um, strengthen strengthen your faith or give you a real different experience of church um, and and ministry. Because um, a lot of people in college, you know, they might be get involved with focus or 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 have other experiences like that. But and the Newman Center does provide that, so so that makes sense. Were you? I mean, I'm assuming you were already writing music as a as as a teenager, as a as a kid. I was, yeah. Um, this is kind of an interesting little side story. I in high school, I was writing a lot of music. Yeah. Um, and I ended up auditioning for American Idol, and. I got on the show and there was like this little three week window where it kind of looked like that was what I was going to be doing. I had to like leave school for a little bit. Wow. And then, you know, it didn't work out, but I, I started picking up all of these gigs around town mm-hmm. at bars and restaurants. And so I just did the singer songwriter thing for a while. And I wanted to write like John Mayer songs. Basically that was okay. That was, okay. Cause that was going to be, that was going to be my next question. Were you, what kind of music were you writing? When did you start writing music that would, that you would call Christian music? So I started writing music. I wrote, I don't know. I don't know if you can count these, but I wrote some songs with my dad when I was like, I don't know, 10. Yeah. Okay. So it was kind of always there. It was always something I, I knew about and experimented with. I started taking it seriously in high school. And those were all pop songs and I would perform them at the gigs. And then yeah. um, in college, when I was leading music at the Newman Center, um, I was really interested in a, a certain kind of song. Um, I was just taking notice of the stuff that I was using in the liturgy and um, the stuff we used for worship. And I really just came to a point where I was like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to start writing some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have more options and um, I can express a little bit of, of what the kind of music I want to hear is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's good stuff. It's the kind of music I'd like to hear too. Um, did you, did you find then, it, it, and when you started thinking about recording or, or I guess what compiling, what ended up being becoming your first album, the return, um, was that because you just had enough songs? It's like, oh, I should make an album, or were you actually consciously thinking, I- I'm I'm writing music for a specific album? Um, it kind of it kind of took that turn after I had five or six songs. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I can do something with this. Uh, but it started out as, you know, in St. Paul's outreach, um, it's all about uh, community mission and and holiness. Those are like the the three pillars. 
So we do a lot of worship. It's, it's kind of a charismatic community. Uh, we do a lot of worship within our own house. It's just the 10 of us and we just nice. do it. Um, it kind of started with like, I want to write some songs that could be used for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and granted, not all of my songs are like congregational uh, right. songs, but that's how it started was just, I want to use these to, to worship. Yeah. And then um, it eventually came to the point where I started collecting enough of them. I said, Hey, I'm going to take this winter break and go record them. Mm-hmm. Not really thinking it was going to be like a CD type thing, but. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's good. And I guess you're thinking of doing that again. Are you already working on, on the next album or are you thinking yeah. of, yeah. yeah, yeah, good. And, and I guess it sounds like you really enjoy leading worship and that that's something where your heart is. Um, so you, you're going to pursue this sort of Catholic evangelizer, singer, songwriter career? Wherever, yeah, however it uh, takes shape. I'm, I'm not quite sure yet, um, especially with COVID. But, you know, yeah. it, that's, that's a very, COVID is a very humbling thing. It is, um, it is especially for the church. We, we need to still reach people and um, we just can't gather. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to, you know, we're all trying to find new ways to do that. So right now I'm just kind of um, taking the time to write and, and pray and I live good. with some guys, so it's good. Yeah, good. Sounds like it. Um, Thomas, uh, it's been so, so good to, to meet you. I want to thank Tom Booth for actually introducing me to you, uh, good old Tom Booth. Um, but I'm also uh, thankful to your dad. Say hello to him. Um, uh, thank you for, for, for what you're doing. Um, I look forward to hearing more music from you because it's, it's really good. Um, and that uh, we can uh, uh, stay in touch and see each other again. Yeah, for sure. All right, Thomas Mulia. You can learn more about him and purchase his album, The Return, at his website, thomasmulia.com. And it's Mulia, M-U-G-L-I-A, thomasmulia.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is Thomas Mulia with Let Us Adore Him from his album, The Return. Dad. 
listening to Thomas Mulia with Let Us Adore Him from his album The Return, and that will take us to the end of our program this week. Remember that you can always reach me via email, pedro at slmedia.org, and also through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro, there's only one of me. And also remember that if you missed any part of this program today, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour shows at that same webpage, slmedia.org just look for podcasts and that's also where we post links to all our artists or guests and remember that also at that same website slmedia.org you can find out how to send a candle of hope to someone who might need that little extra light of hope this Advent season thank you for being with us today may you continue having a blessed Advent journey and please continue to take care of yourselves and take care of each other I'm Deacon Pedro And this has been the Salt and Light Hour.